Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. There's a great song that was written by Chris Christofferson in the late 60s called Sunday Morning Coming Down. Uh, And I have to say morning because he didn't put the G on there in the title, so I'm uh, obliged to not put it there either. Uh, You may have heard Johnny Cash's version, which is what I heard the first time. Uh, He's the one that kind of put it on the map. But Sunday Morning Coming Down is a song about a guy who finds himself on the outside of society looking in. He's, it's a very painful song. It captures really well what it's like to have been estranged, to be living some sort of a tormented life and feel like you're outside looking in. And so he's, he's the, the, Chris Christopherson writes this guy in and he's passing through town and he's walking around and it's great songwriting. If you want to know how to write a good song or a good poem or a good story, it engages all the senses. So this man's walking around and he sees a, young, a little boy kicking the can down the road, you know, just ordinary Sunday morning. And then he smells fried chicken. Somebody's frying chicken on Sunday morning. And then he hears a Sunday school class that's singing, you know, is the open door class down there. They're singing away. And he, he walks by and he notices that. So it's engaging. And he's seeing and smelling and hearing all these things that remind him of a life that he used to know. Remind him of a life that's for normal people. Remind him of a life that's for people that didn't get off the rails like he did. It's reminding him of a life that's just out of reach. And so, because of that, he experiences Sunday morning as painful. You know, we may be sitting here in worship today, and we're, we're thinking of Sunday morning as, as comforting and peaceful, uh, but he's walking around outside, and the experience of Sunday morning for him is sheer pain. Uh, the chorus goes this way. On a Sunday morning sidewalk... I'm wishing, Lord, that I was stoned because there's something about a Sunday that makes the body feel alone. And then he says, there's nothing short of dying that's half as lonesome as the sound on a Sunday morning sidewalk, Sunday morning coming down. So he's saying on this, there's nothing short of dying that's this painful and lonesome is seeing all these sights and sounds and knowing that I can't participate in them. Outside looking in. And we know this is not this guy's original self. You know, he didn't wake up one day and hope that his life would turn out that way. When he walked across the stage at graduation, he didn't say, man, I hope this is me in 20 years. That's just where he was. It was not his life plan to end up this way. And so the gospel, according to Mark, tells a story of another man who finds himself on the outside looking in. Zolly read the second half of that for us today. And I just wonder if we, is that a familiar story to us? Have we ever found ourselves in that place where we feel like we're on the outside looking in? So the story in the gospel is, we don't know what percentage of this guy's uh, life, you know, his outcome, where he is, his outsideness. We don't know what percentage of that is his own life choices and what percentage of that is his life circumstances. And it hardly matters at this point, right? It's not the point. Uh, What matters is that's his life. That's where he is. And we see a picture of this man who is tormented. He's alienated. And he looks like he's beyond hope. 
Mark tells us that he has an unclean spirit, which is just another way of kind of saying some, some evil is inside of him. Some demon is inside of him that is contributing to this outside, estranged, tormented reality. And this guy, you know, this doesn't happen overnight, right? We know this. We know that this kind of possession, this kind of torment, it doesn't happen all at once. It happens over time. And, and we nurture that. We have to cultivate that. We have to cooperate with evil to get to this point. And that's where he is. So he has an un, unclean spirit. He's entirely out of sorts. Uh, there's all these great negatives in the text about how society has tried to restrain him. You know, they used chains and they used everything they could think of to try to keep this guy from lashing out because he's just out of control and no one can do it. It, it just, it makes me think, you know, what kind of strong, you know, like have you seen the hammer throw in the Olympic trials? I'm just picturing a guy like that who's, who's just out of sorts and he's being tormented. And so, yeah, the little chains that they were able to make at the time, the little shackles they had laying around for the average guy, they're just not working. There's this strength involved and it's out of control. The guy uh, hates himself. He hates life. And so he's harming himself. He's crying out all the time. He's taking stones and he's hurting himself. I mean, this is a picture of torment. It's a picture of pain, of what it's like to be on the outside looking in. This guy, I mean, to say he's in bad shape is an understatement. Um, so, you know, but we can pick whatever song or story and just think of the character that's in the worst shape. That's this guy. And when I read the story, I think, man, this guy, it's game over. You know, this is, I don't know what's going to happen to this guy, but the story's got to move on because there's nothing here. There's nothing here to see for us. But this guy has gradually forgotten his identity. He's forgotten who he is. <clears throat> and uh, it's just a horrible scene. And furthermore, this scene is, is happening. If, if you're a Jewish reader, and you're a good church-going Jewish person, you're hearing the story you realize that this scene is happening on the east side of the Sea of Galilee and it's outside of Jewish territory. It's out of bounds. So geographically, culturally, and it's just unclean. That was the Old Testament word for it. It was unclean because there was tombs and graveyards all over the place. And we find out later there was a herd of pigs. So those things at that time in that culture made it unclean. And again, you and I read and we just think this is game over. This is it. And one of the things we learn to love about Jesus is these are the places that he rides in his boat and he steps out of the boat and he just walks right into the situation. I mean, it's a beautiful story. I mean, you may imagine it more like him on a white horse and he's riding his boat in and it says he stepped out of the boat and immediately he meets this demon-possessed man. I mean, he just goes right to it. The, the man with the unclean spirit's coming to him, and he's going to the unclean spirit, and there is an encounter. There is a clash. We learn to love about Jesus that these are the places that we find him climbing out of the boat and taking action. I mean, what a scene. What a scene. We learn in this gospel story that it is in Jesus' nature to go to the difficult places. He goes to the tough places. He finds the guy in the song who's wandering around on the outside. That's where Jesus goes. This is standard operating procedure for the Son of God. We should always, therefore, look for Jesus in those places. When we find ourselves in those very difficult places that seem like game over, we should look for Jesus there. 
We should look for Jesus there because he is the one uh, that can show up and encounter a situation like that and has the power and the willingness to make a difference. I think this also gives us as the followers of Jesus confidence when we find ourselves in those places or we think, gosh, how did I get here? Uh, I'm out here now and I'm sort of right alongside all of this outside looking in stuff. And what am I going to do about it? And it gives us confidence to go, okay, well, if, if that's the way it is, we know that Jesus can show up here, that Jesus is moving here. And it gives us confidence that if we've been called to those places that we are not alone and that evil is not a match for the light that we carry inside of us, the presence of Jesus. And you know, I don't know, it's not, I don't know about you, it's not always the picture of Jesus that we see in, in Western art, you know, in European art with like, Jesus is this pale guy and he's like sitting on a stone wall with the children around him. He's just kind of, you know, it's like casual Jesus, right? He's just sort of like easygoing Jesus, uh, Jesus that just, you know, he's going in and out of just picnics and he's just kind of having a, an all right old time. This, <laughs> this image of Jesus is rowdy. I mean, you, you have to, this is a rough, rough encounter. And this is the first time in Mark's gospel that Jesus goes into non-Jewish territory. And I mean, he is making a statement and he is taking care of business. Uh, he's taking names and he is, he is reaching out for that which is lost. Remember Isaiah's uh, foretelling, uh, you know, that, that Jesus, the, the Messiah would be one who would set the prisoners free, would, would release people from captivity. That's what's happening here. Jesus is the purpose is to restore a life that's been lost or forgotten. I mean, he's finding the guy that's walking around town and he's trying to find the pathway for him to come back where he's not experiencing Sunday morning as painful, but as peaceful. And so I think of this phrase that I learned from Charles Wesley. Uh, you know, John Wesley gets a lot of the credit for being the founder of Methodism, uh, but Charles, his brother, who was the hymn writer, it was also an ordained priest, uh, he he really, we learn our theology a lot more from Charles than we do from John, by the way, because we sing the songs all the time. Uh, but there are a lot of his songs make reference to this idea of what he calls full salvation. Full salvation. And it's just his way of observing that, you know, sometimes what we accept as salvation is, is a kind of a cut-rate version of salvation, which would be basically, uh, well, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you get a ticket to heaven when you die, and, you know, what you do from here on out, you know, good luck. Uh, well, we're just, we're just interested in you when you die. We'll talk to you later. But full salvation is what do we do in the meantime? You know, what do we do before we leave this mortal body? And the answer in the scriptures, and I think the answer that Wesley sings about, is a life that is being transformed, as Paul said, from glory to glory or from one glory to the next. We're always moving. Uh, we're always growing. And uh, one of our professors at Asbury Seminary was an old Navy guy named Dr. Bob Mulholland. And he had this great phrase where he would talk about the false self and the true self. So he would say, you know, our, one way of thinking of sin and this disorientation that we experience when we're out of sorts is we're, we're living and operating out of the false self. You know, it's like the old Ryan, the false self. And so Jesus is transforming us to the, our truest self, the new self. But it's like the, it's our real identity. It's who we are. It's who God created us to be uh, before we were tormented and wandered around, marred by sin and all that stuff. So full salvation is the recovery of the true self. 
It's the recovery of the me and the you that we were born to be. And that's part of the gospel. That's what the gospel work looks like. And that's why this guy in the story, he goes from being unrestrainable and running day and night. He's unclothed. He's in and out of these caves, these old tombs that people have borrowed for tombs. He's running all over the place. And then when Jesus finishes this encounter, the people from the town come to see what happened. And he's, he's sitting, he's in his right mind, and he's fully clothed. So that means he has the posture now of a student, of a disciple. He's, 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 there's no more shame. He's not running away. He doesn't have to be restrained, but he's in, he's in a peaceful place. He's in his right mind uh, that, that Christ has brought about this reality. And so he is, he is finding and remembering a self that he had long forgotten uh, when he was operating out of this false self. So this is the beautiful piece of this story where the darkness is exposed and Jesus is at work setting the captives free. He's turning people loose. I don't know where this story resonates with you. You know, the evil or the false self, it manifests in us in so many different ways. I mean, for every uniqueness that we have, the false self can manifest in a hundred thousand different ways. That's why when Jesus confronts this guy who has the unclean spirit, he says, what is your name? And the guy says, well, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion was a reference to a regiment of, you know, 5,600 soldiers or so. And I think it's his way of saying, I don't know, there's so many things going wrong in me. It's a whole legion. So take your pick. You can call me whatever you want. If you want to call me crazy, you can call me crazy. You want to call me tormented, you can call me tormented. Yeah, pick 5,600 words and you can describe. There's, no, there's not enough words to describe the chaos in my life. So Jesus deals with that entire disordered, confused state of being. And he sets this guy out on a peaceful path. <clears throat> this is why we love the great movies, right? This is what Pixar has figured out, is that, that you tell stories about possibility. Uh, when, when it looks like at the beginning of the movie, this is just going to be a sad story the whole time. And there's this turn. There's this moment where the impossible begins to happen. And what we originally saw is not the full story. And so this is, this is the gospel. There's always that potential. There's always that full self to be recovered. There's always more to full salvation until we are no longer in this mortal body and we are uh, at last with Christ for eternity. So this, ha this transformation happens and Jesus goes to the difficult place. I mean, to me, that's Big point number one. Big point number two is, um, I don't think I've ever said big point one and two in my life. That's really not a proper English way to say that. But anyways, big point number two is, is what happens to the guy, what Jesus asks him to do. You know, he naturally wants to follow Jesus. I mean, here he's the posture of a disciple. He's sitting and he wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus doesn't let him go in the boat. You know, they, they get in the boat and they start leaving and the guy wants to go. And Jesus says, sorry, you can't come with us. Does that seem strange to anyone else? I mean, first of all, you would think that when Jesus works a miracle in the life of someone, that everyone would gravitate and they would just be drawn in. But in fact, people are afraid. And they, they ask Jesus to leave. I mean, they say, this has been fun. Can you go somewhere else? Because uh, you're, you know, we didn't talk about the whole part with the pigs and the economic damage that we've just experienced losing 2,000 of our uh, countryside pigs. And, and Jesus is saying, this is, 
this is why I came. This is priority. I mean, I'm not saying that's not a big deal, but this is why I'm here. And so the guy wants to go. Jesus says, no, not right now. He says, instead, I want you to go to your friends. Isn't this simple? It's so hard, but it's very simple. I just want you to go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. And the guy's thinking, okay, well, I can do that because I very much like my new status and the recovery of my true self better than I did living in this whole false self thing. And so he goes and Mark tells us that he went and told everybody how much Jesus had done, which is this great connection between Lord and Jesus that this guy figured out that a lot of people still in the story are not picking up on. They're not associating Jesus with the Lord. So this guy does. And, you know, the movement from the false self to the true self is always part of our gospel story. It's always happening. Anytime we talk about the gospel, we have to talk about the movement from the false self to the true self. Otherwise, it just sounds like something that happens to somebody else. But we all have a story. We all have an ongoing unfolding story. And, you know, you hear people say sometimes like, well, I, you know, I just don't really have one of those testimonies like all those people that get up and say, you know, I was, I was in prison and my mom was in prison and my dog was in, you know, and I was on every kind of substance and there was this whole thing. And sometimes we think, well, because I didn't have that, I don't have a, a testimony. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story that's unfolding where we were hiding over here in the false self and where we have been uh, illuminated and we've been set free from the power and the bondage of sin and that's the story that we're always telling um, the legion you know I was thinking this week about the legion that the times of my life where I could have said yeah I don't know just call me legion because it's I'm, I'm out of sorts really bad those times that I remember where I've been the most that way uh, a lot of it has to do with times I realized I was unable to forgive myself for, you know, I had a season where I was just like, I, I have done the unforgivable and I can't forgive myself. And so as the gospel became more clear to me and as I experienced the kind of forgiveness that would, that would say, okay, I understand God forgives me, but I can now forgive myself and, and be forgiven by others. Uh, there, there's this, just this illumination that happens. It's a move, another movement from glory to glory and I notice in those times that my false self is quieted, is uh, overcome by light. And it's, it's like First John talks about, you know, that when the, the light comes and, it, and it, the darkness runs away. There's the, the darkness can't stand the presence of light that comes with Jesus. And when we, when we confess our sins and we put things on the table in a safe way, uh, the forgiveness of Jesus just pushes all that stuff away. It, it, it drowns it all uh, just like Jesus did with, with these pigs. And so the gospel, as I have experienced it, is Jesus finding me in those places where I thought I was a lost cause and providing the willingness and the power for the kind of transformation that I needed, uh, the transformation that I needed to move towards a true self. And, you know, this is a lifelong fight. It is a lifelong journey that we are on. And sometimes we feel like we're climbing and sometimes we feel like we're just falling down the hill, but, but we're always moving. And as long as Jesus is still on mission, as long as Jesus is still in the boat, then hope is never lost because he can find us wherever we are. And uh, 
So one of those Charles Wesley hymns, I'll close with this, is called Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. Uh, A great thing to put in your pocket just to learn a devotional uh, song. And the the closing verse of that song is, um, he says, changed from glory into glory. So you see the the imagery that we're always being changed from glory and glory uh, in, in one glory to the next in this life. He says, until in heaven we take our place. Until we, crass, until we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. So, you know, we, we know that there is a, a hope, Christian hope that looks forward that says one day we will cast all of our crowns, all of our accomplishments, all of our, everything we will cast at the feet of Jesus and we will be lost in wonder, we'll be lost in praise, we'll be lost in love. And that will be our rightful place because we've been rescued by Jesus. Uh, but until then, we, our work is being changed from glory to glory and glory to glory. And so that's the journey that we are on. Uh, we celebrate that and we are so grateful to Christ uh, for finding us and initiating that process. Uh, and so may God strengthen us. May he rescue us through the work of Jesus and may we be transformed from one glory to the next. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.